Hello, I'm Daryl Fairchild, Dayton City Commissioner, and this is the uh, second edition of our podcast, A Work in Progress. And this podcast is designed to create a community of learners to understand the, uh, both the fundamentals of how we govern the city of Dayton, but also the uh, challenges that we face and the opportunities we have. And so the goal of the podcast is to create this community of learners that would both be interactive and that we could also foster a respectful conversation, um, which um, is somewhat of a rarity in the midst of our political and public life these days. And um, it's 2020, it's January 14, 2020. The topic today that I wanted to address because we're right in the midst of adopting the 2020 budget is the budget itself. And um, the thing about the budget, I was trying to think if there's a good analogy of a budget. And I really couldn't come up with a good analogy. A budget is basically a budget, but our budget is more than just a um, de uh, description of where and a plan of how we're going to spend our resources, but more important is an embodiment of our values and priorities. And so um, to help us understand the budget, I've asked our Director of Procurement, Management, and Budget, Diane Shannon, to join us. Now, Diane has a veteran of the city of Dayton, and while many of us had a very difficult year in 2019, in a financial perspective, there was a very difficult year prior to this, when the Great Recession hit. Absolutely. And you were here to help pilot the city through that difficult time. And when you think of that time, what stands out from that period? Uh, well, even leading up to the Great Recession, um, given the industrial base in the uh, Midwest, we were seeing job losses um, going back all the way to 2000. So then when we entered the Great Recession in um, late 2007, we really saw a drop in revenues. In fact, um, when you look at 2007 to, um, through 2010, general fund revenues declined 13% or $23 million. Uh, covering a whole like $23 million <clears throat> is very, very difficult. Um, but I am also happy to say that during that time period, the city received two bond rating upgrades because of the fiscal management, prudent management of the budget during that period of time. So it was very difficult. Um, we were able to do it with not a lot of loss of job. Much of that happened through the form um, um, through attrition. Um, but when you look even over the longer scale, the general fund is about seven, 650 to 700 positions lighter than it was in the early part of the decade. So it took um, a lot of cuts. It took a lot of um, difficult decisions by the elected officials at that time. And it took a lot of innovation on the side of directors and employees to look for ways to be deliver city services more efficiently. So you kind of told the numbers side of that story. But I think it's fair to say that um, it took an incredible amount of skill to navigate through that and that many people look to you and, um, that, uh, and are very commendable for the job you did through that and that we're very fortunate to have um, you with your experience um, to be in this position. So I don't mean to embarrass you. So, um, well, it, it definitely was a team effort. Um, one of the things that we do give credit to is our revenue advisors group. 
It's a group that's been together since 2002. It's local academics as well as business leaders and um, the, the uh, budget director for Montgomery County. Um, and this group vets all our revenue forecast. And so we use some pretty sophisticated tools in terms of um, forecasting our revenues, but then we, not, we don't just leave it there. We take it out into the community and we ask to vet it so that we can be realistic. And if you plan for these kind of downturns, you often do much, much better than if you just, you know, mid-year get hit with these things. So I have to give a lot of credit to um, our revenue advisors team, as well as um, the city organization, the directors, the employees, and so forth. They had to come up with many innovative things during that period of time so that we could balance the budget when you had declining revenues. Um, I don't know if, you know, businesses could, could do that kind of thing, uh, you know, because if their revenues um, and drop that quickly. Um, but we were able to keep the ship, um, you know, going in the right direction, and um, I, I was very pleased with that. And again, as I said before, and get two bond rating um, upgrades because they recognized the strong fiscal management during that period of time, which would have been headed by the city commission, the mayor and city commission, the city manager, the finance director, as well as um, the management and budget staff, okay. which is currently procurement <laughs> management and budget because there was a reorg that took place in 2018. So we've gotten a little bit deep into the process. Um, let's step back and talk about the type of budget we have, the um, program-based budget. Um, when did the city adopt that and what, what are the key components of that? Sure. The focus in the development of the city's budget was changed um, as a result of a charter amendment that took place in 2014. That was more detail was given to that later in 2015 when the city commission codified through legislation the budget process. Um, <clears throat> The changes established what we call the policy budget with five community service areas. Those community service areas are economic and community development, justice, building and environmental safety, infrastructure, and then corporate services and governance. And the whole um, the whole thrust of the policy budget is to res to allocate resources to program activities across these five community service areas to drive results, to drive outcomes in the community. So prior to this change in our charter, we would more focus on the input. So we would talk about how many FTEs, what the personnel costs were. And for those who oh. don't know what an FTE is. Certainly, certainly. FTE is a full-time equivalent. So for um, every full-time job, we would talk about we have you know, X amount of full-time jobs. Um, we, would, we would look at cost in terms of utilities and so forth. What this did was change that. Now, not to say that's not important. That absolutely is important. But what it did was look at the budget as two sides to one coin. We have the financial side, which is about looking at driving efficiency in our financial spend on these categories. But more importantly, it looked at the performance side as well. So um, I can give you an example to kind of illustrate that. Um, the, CS, the CSA infrastructure, okay, has a, a commission priority that is to improve the conditions of the roadway system. As a result of issue nine, we made a commitment to the public that we would have all residential roads in satisfactory condition at the end of the eight year period, which is in 2024. 
So how we now allocate resources is to increase the PCI. I know it's a little technical, so I'll tell you what that means, pavement condition index. So what we want to do is increase that condition of the road as measured by a real quantitative index as established by professional engineers to, to ensure that the quality of our roads across the city has improved to a satisfactory condition. In terms of PCI, that's a 70 rating. I'm happy to report that and beginning in 2007 when issue 9 started until now, that, that metric... Not 2007. I'm sorry, 2017. <laughs> yeah. 2017. Yeah. 2017 through 2024. In 2017, that metric was under 50, and now it's up to 63. And so we're uh, allocating resources to drive outcomes in the city. What we're talking about specifically here is about the condition of roads because we knew from our uh, the Dayton survey that this was something that residents had told us that they were concerned about and that they thought the condition was poor. Another example is the CSA for um, uh, uh, corporate services and, and governance and the commission priority is to provide excellent customer service uh, quality service with excellent customer service uh, in respect to the call center they had a performance metric that they wanted to answer 85% of calls within two minutes well actually as they reported at our budget hearings back in um, December they ended up doing a hundred percent of calls in less than one um, minute and 40 seconds so here, to drive excellent customer service, we're allocating resources to this end so that customers aren't waiting on the phone for 10 or 15 minutes. So that kind of gives you a flavor for um, the policy budget. Now, uh, now it's, just to kind of speak this back, it's a dynamic in that uh, the commissioners, um, our task was, you know, if we're doing our jobs well, we're listening to the community, we're getting a good sense of what the priority of the citizens are and so the commissioners bring those priorities. We have our, our the resources that we have. We allocate those resources and we are measuring those resources or we're re measuring those results. We're measuring those results. And evaluating and then bringing that back in. So if a program or a service isn't accomplishing what we want it to accomplish in terms of reaching our goals and our priorities and our values then we're going to be looking at reallocating resources. Absolutely. We call okay. that repurposing those dollars so that we can achieve the outcomes that we're looking for. Okay. Um, now, let me move us along a little bit okay. because um, help us get a sense of the scope of the budget. How, how large is it in all of its funds and then, you know, most of the funds that get allocated for services in our community are through the general fund. So can you give us a sense of both those? Absolutely. So we're probably about two-thirds of the way through the 2020 budget process. We like to say in the budget office that it's, it's much like birthing a child. It's about a nine-month process. And with the final budget becoming effective in late March. So I can't really speak to the 2020 budget yet because it's it will be finalized here in the upcoming weeks. So I'll use the 2019 final budget as an example. So the final budget was $699 million. Okay, that was the total all funds budget. Of that, the general fund was $223 million. Okay, the next largest would have been the water operating and capital fund for a total of 108 million. Now, 
if you understand the water department, it has both water, sewer, and storm. So collectively, that was 198 million for the entire utility. Okay. Next after that would be aviation at about 95 million. Interestingly, you add those all up, and you've already covered 75 percent of the budget. Okay. And the the water and the aviation, those are enterprise funds operations, so they need to um, bring in their own revenue and only be able to expend um, the revenue they bring in. Absolutely. There's two major parts to the budget. You have the governmental side and then you have the proprietary side. Under the proprietary side, you have the enterprise funds, which we have the water, sewer, and storm fund. We have aviation and we have golf. And so those entities are self-supporting. The revenues that they generate must be used for those activities, absolutely. Okay. We also have in that category internal service funds, and those are, those are just what their name implies. Those are services that are applied to the rest of the organization, like fleet maintenance, like our um, self-insurance, health insurance, um, like our, our document management, those kinds of things. And that, that general is a little over $40 million for that portion of the budget. So um, the budget can be pretty complex. We have resources out on the um, on our website um, that people can go to. We can put a link um, here in the Facebook feed for folks to um, find that readily. We'll do that after the after the show. Um, one way, and so you know, you've given us kind of the large scope of it, almost seven hundred million dollars in terms of all the funds. The general fund being two hundred and. 23. 23, thank you, million. If we think of that in terms of a, of $100, how much of, to, to, just to simplify it to help people understand, can you give us where the majority of that general fund um, is allocated? Sure, we've done this exercise many times, and uh, typically what we look at it is in the general fund um, departmental portion as well as CDBG and golf because those, those are kind of align well in terms of the services that we're going to talk about here. So if we look at that, as you mentioned, in terms of $100, we would start with police at $28. So 28 of the $100 would go to police, that's patrol services, so that's all the functions that are performed by the police department. Secondly would be fire and EMS, um, and that would be at $22. Um, next would be administrative, and that would be all the administrative functions throughout the city, and that would be $7. So as you notice how we went 28, 22, and now we've dropped all the way to 7 really quickly. So you can see that police, fire, EMS comprises a big part of the budget in terms of the services. This is not capital spend, this is services, and it's the operating side of the budget. Next would be um, legal and courts at $6.00. Our waste collection function would be $6, but also that is um, supported by revenue as well. So we're right. just talking about the expense side. Infrastructure and street maintenance would be $5 out of 100 and you see it would be dropping quickly. Yeah. Facilities maintenance, the city has many, many facilities, whether it's a police station, a fire station, it's um, you know the, the functions uh, uh, for um, maintaining vehicles, city hall itself, so forth. Um, the maintenance of those facilities would be next at $4. Um, and next, planning and, um, I'm sorry, planning and community development along with Preschool Promise, the Preschool Promise commitment of $4.3 million that was part of the package for Issue 9 would be next, um, also at $4. 
information technology um, at four dollars economic and um, development and permitting four dollars and then we got recreation with golf three um, and then legislation le legislative and advocacy which would be the commission office as well as the commission agency so we're talking about the civil service agency as well as the human relations council um, would be next at um, two dollars and parks and vacant lot maintenance two dollars and then each of the next are all one dollar each and that's housing inspection and code enforcement nuisance abatement and then finally the convention center and we can provide this if, if sure. you're interested to, we can to put that out so citizens can see that and get a better sense of that because hearing it laid out like that is kind of hard to take it all in the right. kind of takeaway is that police and fire um, if I look at that, that's 50%. 50% right off the top. Correct. And so that's a statement of our priorities that um, safety is an important um, priority for the Absolutely. city. Absolutely. And as part of, it, of issuing our commitment was to add an average of 20 additional police officers over the next uh, over the six-year period we have hit that goal um, already on an average um, in 2019 or very close maybe within within one um, person there to take it from pre-issue nine which or, or your dollars your neighborhood is like what we refer to the program at of 345 um, sworn police officers up to three an average of 365. Okay. Um, so we have a plan at the beginning of the year and there's a couple of components of that. Throughout the year we have to modify that because we have to have a balanced budget by the end of the year. So you kind of outlined the process we use to get an estimate for our um, income. Mm -hmm. um, but through the year we're going to realize we're either going to be up or down on that because of you know we're dealing with life right it's not the the uh our scenario on paper and so then we have to make modifications 2019 um, there was a lot of life if you will we had tornadoes we had the clan come we had the shootings all of these were um were events that on one hand we have contingency plans right mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, these were somewhat extraordinary contingencies. So how do you um, and your department navigate through that, those situations? Certainly. So in the budget, we typically have a line item for contingency. I can tell you that number has varied from anywhere from 250,000 to 1.5 million. Um, and three two hundred fifty thousand. What was it in twenty nineteen? In twenty nineteen, it was about a million dollars, or a half a percent. Okay. So that's that's equal to a half a percent of the budget. All right. Okay. And that contingency is there for those those type of things. I can give you some examples of what we use the contingency for. Um, we implemented the um, neighborhood matters program, and so mm -hmm. we had to come up with T-shirts and materials and so forth, twenty thousand dollars or something. So. The contingency was used for that. Mm -hmm. We scheduled the second paramedic training class for um, the fire department where we are cross-training firefighters to also be paramedics as first responders. It's very important to be able to have that skill when you um, are you know, on our apparatus. And so we, we did the um, second class on um, paramedic um, training there. Um, as we're going through the um, 
I'm looking at the um, Citizens Initiative to Reduce Gun Violence. You know, we've talked about going to this public health model. So we're kind of in a transition phase. What we did was we provided some contingency funds to provide services through 2019. I think you were aware of some of the right. things we did there. That's another example. Um, another one that's really important to me is that to have enough contingency there to take advantage of grant opportunities that will service during the year. And so there'll be specific kinds of grants, whether they're for neighborhoods or whether they're for public safety. or And we need cash match. Typically, grants can come with cash matches of anywhere from 50% to, to 20%. And so having contingency dollars there available so that we can get those extra funds and leverage our own um, um, dollars is always really important. So that's just a few of the examples. We also um, um, added a sustainability position, as right. you know, and, and we're having a much more, um, we're having uh, a sustainability plan um, that's being developed. So those are some of the examples that we um, use. Um, so as I said before, about a half a percent or a million dollars. <clears throat> but the cost is... But, but those are kind of... Um, Oh, not the right word. Kind of run in the mill, right? This was it was something you would yes, see in a typical yes, year, right? Yes, yes. But in 2019, we didn't. Absolutely, we had, had absolutely. additional contingency. Absolutely. So we had the Memorial Day tornadoes that <clears throat> currently were were somewhere around four and a half million dollars that we spent between the general fund and, and the water fund. So clearly. That, then that would spend all of that. Right. The good news is that we've had to spend that money, but because we had a formal federal declaration and because the state has also declared, we will receive 87.5% of those proceeds back. It's just a matter of timing. So we haven't received them yet, but we have spent, expended in the general fund um, over about $3 million and then about a million and a half in the water fund. So how we funded that <clears throat> was a, a couple of things. We used some, some of the contingency, but we also had better performing revenue than we originally okay. thought. Um, but, but just keep going on with some of these other unplanned events that were um, certainly not in the normal scope of things right. for 2019 would have been the, the hate rally. And the total cost of that was 685000 Now, we, we were monetizing the um, part where police officers had an option to either um, take time and a half or to receive double time as comp time. And many of them elected for the comp time. We valued that or monetized that. It was about $145,000. But that won't actually uh, impact the budget until a later portion, a later time. So 540 kind of immediately cost for the uh, rally and another $145,000 associated with on comp time. So that clearly was not in the budget as well. Um, and then there was there's additional costs um, related to um, the mass shooting in terms of overtime for both our police and, and fire personnel. Um, we were very thankful to the mayor who, to, who was able to um, raise money for the Gem City Shine event and those those dollars helped to offset other overtime so that was that was um, very beneficial. Um, so the question is, so how did we solve all this? Right. We were very, we were very fortunate that we exceeded the budget by about three percent, the revenue budget by about three percent in 2019. We're still compiling the num these numbers, and we haven't even released them to you yet. We will be um, sharing this with the commission on January 29th at the work session. Um, but I can tell you that we. Um, 
when compared to the original budget, our revenues exceeded by about 3% or $5 million. Okay. And so that gave us some of the additional resources um, necessary to cover some of these um, very traumatic events that, that occurred during 2019. One of the things we want to do here with the, with the podcast is to have it be interactive. Um, and I didn't say this at the top, that if you were following along on Facebook, you could ask questions. We have a question here. Oh, we can send you a link of the city's um, civil service portal where you can register and view any open positions that the city has at this time. Thank you. So that's informational comment. Um, and let me get that again one more time. Oh, if you're looking for a job, um, and this is a, from Matthew, and he says that we can send you a link out for the city's civil service portal. And that's an opportunity where you can register and view any open positions that the city has at this time. Um, let me ask this, this question. So um, the budget process, we didn't talk a whole lot about that, but we're in a point now where we've had the preliminary budget uh, adopted by the commission. Um, we've gone through the presentations uh, back in December. Those are up on the website. We'll have a link for those. The public gets an opportunity to have input into that, and that's this time right now. Is that correct? And how long does that that period go? <clears throat> so um, we there, there's a number of statutory requirements um, that the um, Ohio Revised Code requires, and and as well as our charter. And one of them is a public hearing. So we must post. Um, in the Dayton Daily News notice of that public hearing, and that public hearing will happen at the City Commission meeting on January 29th. Okay. So that is a, a um, opportunity for public input. We also post the budget, and we'll be posting it very soon here, on our financial transparency portal, Dayton Open Data. So if you're interested in seeing, all the way back to 2015, all of the financial information, both budget and actual spend, it is out there and available to anyone on our site. You can simply go to www.daytonohio.gov. At the bottom of the page, you'll see where it says Dayton Open Data. You click there, and there's interactive tools there that you can use to, to see all of the um, budget information. We are also required to publish the budget in its entirety in the Dayton Daily News, and that will be done um, and posted there. Um, and so anyone who has comments can review that. And as you mentioned before, Commissioner, we have a number of resources on our website um, that is available for review and we are always interested in getting feedback. You can provide feedback directly to us. Our, our email address is um, on the website or you can do it through our Dayton Open Data Portal. There's many different ways and avenues to, to get in touch with us to give us that, that portion that you talked about. You, we talked about commission priorities, but those commission priorities are really the community priorities that get filtered to you and so and then formulated by the City Commission. Um, we're going to wrap up. Um, I want to invite people, if you want to dig deeper into this, that I have found that the Gray Book is a great resource. Um, the Gray Book's up online. In there you'll find not only the five community service areas, but within each of those community service areas are um, objectives that help us push for those top priorities. And you can see those broken down throughout. And so I invite people, um, if they want to understand the budget better, the Gray Book I have found to be a great starting point. Um, I think that does it for today. I do want to thank some folks. I want to thank um, the staff from Public Affairs, both um, 
are Tony Bankston, Andrew Estevez, and Melissa Lassay, and um, Ariel Walker, who's from the City Commission Office, our Director of the uh, Commission Office, for her help on this. And uh, especially want to thank you, Diane, for coming in and trying to take a very complex budget with many parts and uh, helping us understand it in all of 20 minutes. <laughs> so thank you for doing that, Diane. We You're appreciate very that. welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, again, this is um, a work in progress podcast. Our, the next, one of the things I think about this is as a community of learners, what's the next question? And for me, the next question is thinking about the budget, and one of my priorities is around neighborhood development. What in this budget um, is new for neighborhood development? And so in our next podcast, which will be in um, Facebook Live in two weeks, on the 28th, we'll have Todd Kinski, our Director of Planning and Community Development on, to start with that question and to dive a little bit into neighborhood development. So. Um, Thank you, Diane, and thank you, audience, for participating, and we we'll look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Thank you.